Thank you, Chris and the team. We are looking at the name of God. And I think this song is a great introduction to the title of today. We are looking at Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord who sanctifies. Did you know that you actually can't walk straight when you're blindfolded? You can try, maybe you can succeed for a few steps, but gradually you will either veer towards the left or to the right. I tried to look up on YouTube, uh, it's, it's hilarious, you know, people just walk, all walk in circle and end up. Um, and science reporter, but then Robert Kruwich, this is what he concludes from the experiment. He said, humans apparently slip into circles when we can't see an external focal point. Like a mountain top or a sun or a moon. Without a corrective, our insight takes over. And there's something inside us that won't stay straight. In other words, people will automatically walk in circles without a focal point or fixed direction. And so this series we are starting is to help us to discover uh, God. Because name tells us the character of God. And today we are looking at this title of God called Yahweh Mekadesh. The Lord who sanctifies. This is probably... The, the name that balances up all of God's other attributes. Because you say that God is holy God. It balances up all of God's other attributes. One writer says this. It is the balance of all the attributes of God. You know why? He said because if God is powerful, but without holiness, then this God would degenerate into cruelty. If this God is omniscience, means all-knowing, and yet without the balancing side of a holy God, it will become craft. Imagine you have knowledge, but you don't have the character to sustain. You abuse your knowledge. You become craft. If you have justice without holiness, it would degenerate into revenge. And if you have goodness without holiness, it will be, it will be passionate and intemperate, meaning lack of self-control, kind of fondness, doing mischief rather than accomplishing good. So holiness, side of God, is a balance up of all the other attributes in terms of the external power and omniscience and all that. So it is necessary, it's very important uh, name that we need to study, the Lord who sanctifies. I presume that many of us visit gym, yes? To keep ourselves fit, cardio going and all that. We spend time, we try to be on diet, all sorts of diet is available. We try to eat multivite, USANA, Menatech, some kind of what ASEAN water I heard, you know. Uh, noni juice and all kinds of things you pay big bucks to Make sure you're healthy and all that. But how many of us actually spend effort in changing your character? 
Have you ever tried to come up with something to be more loving, more kind, more patient? How many of us actually put in effort to improve those things? But we put in a lot of effort on our external health and how we look good, make sure we don't grow bald or, you know. But how much effort do we put in in growing virtues? The good news is, God, Yahweh Mekadesh, is the one that's going to change us. He's the one who sanctifies us. The name Yahweh Mekadesh appears only one time in the book of Exodus. And it appears seven times in the book of Leviticus, over three chapters, 20, 21, 22. Seven times. And then twice in Ezekiel. I mean the whole name, Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies us. The word sanctify simply means to set apart. The word holy means to set apart. It means to separate. Or today the Bible verse is to consecrate. To set apart, to separate, to consecrate to pronounce clean or to make holy. As today the verse says, Consecrate yourself, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And this name comes up from Leviticus. And of course, Leviticus followed from the book of Exodus. As Exodus, we have, we have touched on the two, two, three names that God sent Moses to go into Egypt to deliver people out of bondages after being 400 years in bondages. So God raised up Moses to enter into Egypt to raise them up, move them out of the land of Egypt into the promised land. And now... As God made promise to Abraham that he's going to give him people, a nation, and then use them as a nation to be a blessing to the world. These three things that God promised Abraham in Genesis 12. And so the, 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 all the part of the Old Testament is the outworking of this promise. So at this point of time, they already have the people, but they don't have a land. And God now is going to say, I'm going to sanctify you. I'm going to make you a holy nation so that you can represent me on earth as a nation. So that was God's plan. So in Exodus, God redeems Israel from bondage. And in Leviticus, God sanctifies Israel for service. But the problem with uh, the people is that when, when Moses was up on the mountain receiving ten commandments from God, what were the people doing? below. They were asking Aaron to build them a golden calf. Immediately, they already sinned. And so Leviticus is a book of saying, wow, you have broke the covenant, so I'm going to provide you a way for you to return to me. And so the whole book of Leviticus is about prescribing rules and laws and rituals so for the priests and for the people to observe so that they have a chance to come and return to God. So that is the context. And here in this is saying that God is saying, I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who makes you holy so that you can be my people, you can be a holy people to represent me on earth. 
So the Leviticus theme, the book of Leviticus, the theme is called Be Holy as I Am Holy. Interestingly, for a Jewish boy in Judaism, the first book that they have to study is Leviticus. But for Christian, most of the time we don't read Leviticus. Why? Because we think these laws no longer apply to us. These ceremonial laws no longer re- apply to us because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. He make do away with all this ceremonial law. But having said that, it's good to know so that you would appreciate what Christ has done for us. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is all about. So Leviticus theme is be holy as I am holy. Or... The book of Leviticus is about Israel's purity code for coexisting with God. What they must do in order to coexist with God. Or, the book of Leviticus can also be known as showing the way of access to God. God is our sanctifier. God is going to provide a way for us. When God comes into the picture... God is set apart from all things. He is above. He is a creator. He is holy. He, he is, he is, because his unique role and he's the author of life itself. God is holy and when he shows up in a person, the space around him also becomes holy and set apart because it permeated with God's life, power and purity into the environment. So when he's there, everything space around him also becomes holy. So if Israel wants to live in God's holy presence, they also need to become holy by dealing with their sin. And that is what the book of Leviticus is all about. And in the Old Testament, there are four things, or more, maybe more, sorry, I shouldn't say four things. There are many examples of things set apart because of their contact with God. Let me give you a few examples, all right? God mentioned that He sanctifies the days of creation as sacred, as holy. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because because on it He rested and all the work of creating that He had done. So God sanctifies the seventh day as sacred. God also sanctifies in the Old Testament various times and seasons as holy. Like Sabbath day. Like the year of uh, Jubilee like Passover feasts. All these times and seasons in Leviticus and all that, God sanctifies it and say it is holy. God also sanctifies places and things. If you read through the Old Testament, there are many places that God sanctifies it as holy. For example, the camp of Israel, the hill of Zion, the city of Jerusalem, the altar, the tabernacle, the house, things like gold, silver, bronze, iron articles, God sanctify it and say it is holy. So He sanctifies, He set aside, make it holy places and things. And lastly, the scripture also tells us that Yahweh, Mekadesh, God, the one who sanctifies people. You know, you are a chosen nation, you are a chosen people, holy nation, you know. In 1 Peter, you often talk about that. Uh, and, and Leviticus 20, you are, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. I've set you apart from the nation to be my own. And I consecrate to me my firstborn male. God sanctifies people as well. 
So all these things are mentioned in the scripture. God, Yahweh, Mekadesh, the one who sanctifies us, the one who set us apart, separate us. Now, what I want you, what I want to do is that the scripture tells us three aspects of sanctification that I want to show to you. And then I'm going to zoom in number two. There are three aspects of sanctification that I want to show you. This is Theology 101. Right? We have to learn some basic theology. There are three aspects of sanctification, which I put it as positional sanctification, progressive sanctification, and finally, perfected sanctification or ultimate sanctification. Position sanctification deals with our past. It deals with the penalty of sin. I'm going to explain to you. I'll just give you an overview first. And then progressive sanctification deals with the present, which is all of us here in the present. It deals with the power of sin in our lives. And then there is a perfected sanctification in the future when Christ returns. It will deliver us from the presence of sin. So this is the three aspects of God working in us. Yahweh, Mekadesh, changing, sanctifying us, and molding us. Three aspects, position, progressive, and perfected. Or maybe a more familiar words, which is justification, sanctification, and glorification. Yeah, these three words are the same. Position, progressive, perfect. Justification, sanctification, glorification. So let me just expand on the first word, the positional sanctification, which is justification. It means that your position changed. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you profess Him as your Lord, your status changed. Your position changed. You are declared righteous, even though you are not righteous as a person. But your position changed. You are righteous now because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You are declared righteous. Romans 4 says this. Paul says, For the scriptures tells us, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, and then he went on to expand, he said, when people work, you work, you receive a salary, that's not a gift, but something that you have earned because you put in the effort, you're paid. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. So when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your position changed. You are declared righteous positionally. But you as a person are not changed yet. You are still the same rotten person. You still sin. You still do bad things. You still think evil thoughts. You haven't changed yet, but position you change. The best example is the royal family. For example, Kate Middleton and, and Meghan Markle. They were commoner, right? But when they marry into the royalty, what happened? Their status changed. They become princess. Yeah, they change. Their status changed. Because they married into the royalty. So when you believe in Jesus, your position changed. 
you are declared righteous. Romans 10 say, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And then verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Galatians chapter, I mean, John chapter 5 says this, Very truly I tell you, Jesus says, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but he has crossed over from death to life. Your position changed. You are crossed over now from death to life. You believe in Jesus, you believe in his saving work on the cross, not because of your effort. You believe he saves you, you are crossed from death to life. Positionally, you change. Your position, your status change. 1 Corinthians 6 says, and some of you, after Paul describing about your past life, he said, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. So the first thing is justification, positional sanctification. Yahweh Mekedes, the Lord who sanctifies you positionally. You change, your status change when you believe in Jesus. And then secondly, sanctification. Then that's not the end, that's the beginning because you're still the same. I'm still the same rotten gland. I still do wrong things. I haven't changed a bit yet. That is where the sanctification, progressive sanctification comes in. So the position deals with the penalty of sin. You are no longer counted, you're saved. Now is, you enter into this zone that you are a Christian. Now God is going to deal with the power of sin in our lives. God is going to begin to work in us and change us. And afterwards, I'm going to give you five ways that God used to change and mold us. God delivered us from the power of sin. Progressive sanctification is the ongoing, incomplete, lifelong maturing process in which a Christian gradually becomes more and more Christ-like. It's a process. Position, justification is instant. Declared righteous. Progressive is ongoing. Progress. Ongoing. And un until the day you die, God is still shaping and molding you. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And then Hebrews 12 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Make every effort. That is where we have to do our part. Position is God's part. Perfect is God's part. Progressive is both God's part and our part. We play a part. Make every effort. Make every effort. I'll expand on this after this. The third one is glorification. Glorification, which is perfected sanctification, which I'll call ultimate sanctification. God deliver us from the presence of sin in heaven. This will occur only when Christ returns in the future. 
in the future. And 1 John chapter 3 says this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, the famous chapter on love, talk about mirror, right? Now we look into the mirror as imperfect, but then we will see in the future. And 1 Thessalonians says, Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul be body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. So those are the three aspects of Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies us, the Lord who sets us apart. The Lord is the one who makes us, changes us, molds us to be more and more Christ-like, positionally, progressively, and perfect in the future. Justification, sanctification, glorification. So with the remaining time that I have, I'm going to zoom in into the middle part of it. And the question I want to ask is, how does Yahweh Mekedes bring about our sanctification? How does God goes about changing us, molding us, shaping? How does He do that? There are five means that I can find from Scripture. Of course, there are many, many other means. But the word holy, the word sanctify, appears in uh, those verses that I will give to you. Five things. The first ways that God used to shape and mold us, Yahweh Mekadesh, is through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. Because in John 17, John 17 is a high priestly prayer by Jesus. Possibly in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was uh, uh, led to... To, to see Pontius Pilate and, and all that, uh, he prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, Father, sanctify them by your truth because your word is truth. Or the New Living Translation said, Lord, he said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So God uses word, the word of God, to mold and shape us. Because the more we are able to think rightly, then the more we are able to live rightly. And thinking rightly is thinking biblically, because that is God's Word revealed to us. God's Word has a view on many things, whether it is there is life after death, what is the definition of love, what is the definition of wealth, you know, relationship. There's all kinds of uh, views that Bible has that if we align our view with God's view, then we, we will be able to live rightly in the sense. So, and, and we will change. We, we're going to be molded by God's Word. And so whether it is you coming to church, hear us expounding God's Word, whether it is a quiet time, spending time reading the Bible, or KYB, or, or BSF, or other form of studies that you may have in the Word of God, rest assured, those are the moments that God is using is to, to change you. Progressive, very slowly. It's an ongoing process. 
Number two uh, is through the work of the Spirit. Christianity is not just your willpower. Willpower is important, but Holy Spirit is just as important. God's Holy Spirit is at work in us. When we believe in Jesus, Holy Spirit resides in us. And the, the phrase, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it simply means letting the Holy Spirit control you. The word filled with means control. If I were to say that you're filled with rage, means you're controlled by the emotion of rage. If I say that you're filled with uh, anger, you are being controlled by the, by the emotion of anger. You're filled with jealousy, you're letting the emotion of jealousy control you. So when we say that be filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning to say that you should let the Holy Spirit control you. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Which uh, I think the verse that uh, Romans 15 says this. Paul said, I'm a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Many things are the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It's more than just your willpower. It is the Holy Spirit helping you, assisting you, prayer and all that coming in. So the second means that God used to bring about sanctification, setting apart, molding us, shaping us, is through the work of the Spirit. Number three is through the fellowship of believers. God uses each one of us here to help to shape one another. Like now you come to church, you hear the word preached, Sometimes me, sometimes Pastor Caroline, you hear the service leader here. We help one another. We shape one another. We mold one another. God uses us to encourage somebody. Or in a Bible study, we study together and then mutually we edify each other by our lives, by our help. We help one another. We help to shape and mold one another. We cannot change in the vacuum. We need people to help us to change. When you are alone, you think you are the best person in the world. You think you're the most holy one, you're the most loving one, you know. Until you live with people, then you recognize that you are actually not as great as you think that you are. I discovered that after I married. <laughs> I'm not as great as I think I am. I'm actually quite selfish. I'm actually quite unkind. I'm actually quite rude. I, I learned a lot about myself in the context of relationship. The school of relationship is always helps you to discover self-knowledge. And here Hebrews 10 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds in a community. God uses the community, the church, believers in Christ to help us move towards love and good deeds through the fellowship of believers. And then the fourth ways that God used to shape and mold us, to sanctify us, is through cooperation and discipline. As I said, uh, justification is God's work. 
Glorification is God's work, but sanctification is your work and God's work. You must play a part. You must discipline yourself. You must learn to self-control and all that. You play a part as well, as well as God is the one who is helping to sanctify and mold you. You play a part. You can't just sit back and expect everything to turn out well. You sit back, your default nature will come in and you will slight become worse. Because our default nature is always to do wrong. Our sinful nature is always going down the pathway. Instead of walking straight, you will walk this way. That is our default nature in life. Because of our sinful nature in us. And the best test of it is when no one is watching, you are by yourself. Because when you are with others, there are still a community to help you to head down that pathway. But when you're all on your own, then the true self will always uh, come out in a sense. So through cooperation and discipline. Here it says, as I read to you just now, make every effort to live in peace. You have to make an effort through discipline and cooperation with the Holy Spirit. There are many verses in the Bible that tells us that. In Galatians 5, you've got to walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. It's all about you also putting in some effort on your part. Psalms 139, David, when he prayed, towards the end of Psalms 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So there is a part of cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Lord, before communion, Lord, what can I change? Have I offended someone? Have I hurt someone? Have I been gossiping about this person and that person? Have I been assassinating someone's character behind their back? Have I been thinking ill of this person? Lord, reveal to me. Lord, I confess this to you. Please help me the courage to say sorry. This is a part on our part. Discipline, reflection, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Because Yahweh Mekadesh is going to help to mold us and shape us to be the person that He wants us to be. And fifthly, which probably described me the most, I don't know about you, <coughs> is through chastisement. Unfortunately, we human beings, we have big ego, we are very proud, we will never say sorry, we will never admit that we are wrong. Um, Sometimes we, you know, continue to sin, make mistakes, and God has to come in, and you learn the lesson from your mistake, you bang yourself against the wall, you start to bleed, then you learn. Then you, God use it, those incidents to shape you, mold you, such is life in a sense. Sometimes we like to instead of walk straight, walk this way. Even though war is there, you still want to walk right against the wall. Through chastisement, uh, God uses those things to shape us. Hebrews 12, parents disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But God disciplined us for our good so that we may share his holiness so that we may share in his holiness 
And then he went on to say, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So sometimes it's through chastisement that God used to, to change us and mold us. And how about Romans chapter three, uh, 5? Uh, Paul said, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. So sometimes through suffering, we, we learn. We learn. And as I say, most of the time I learn it through that way. Because we make mistakes. We are not that wise to change costs early on. Sometimes you are unable to see. You think you can get by. As uh, Thomas so well say, we need to have consequence knowledge in the sense you're able to see that. Or James chapter 1 says that as well. Common James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God used chastisement to uh, change and mold us. Change and mold us. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways, and sometimes that is the only way to get our attention. We don't change too often when we see light, but we always change when we feel the heat. An Arabic proverb says, Sunshine alone creates desert. Smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. Many years ago, I read in a, I think in a golf magazine or somewhere, it says that when they first manufacture golf balls, did you know that they make the covers smooth? And then it was discovered that after a ball had been roughed up, one could actually get more distance out of it. And because of the new discovery, they started manufacturing golf balls with dimpled covers. That's why you never see a golf ball as smooth. And so it is the same with life. It takes some rough spots in our life to make you go your furthest. So sometimes it's through chastisement that God used to help us to go further one step. God's rod is a pencil to draw Christ's image more distinctly upon us. So those are the five uh, ways that God used to Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies us, use it to shape us and mold us to be more Christ-like. When I was at Bible college, there was a New Testament lecturer by the name of Ricky Watts. Unfortunately, when I went there, he left for Vancouver to lecture in Regent College. But I heard so much about him because he's such an inspiring figure. And then he came back for holidays. He came to the Bible college and then he gave a lecture. 
And he said something that still remember, I still remember. He says this, he said, many of us, when we make mistakes in life, we often say we are only human. Therefore, we make mistakes. He said, no. He said, if Jesus is full human being, a real, complete, utmost, 100% human being, then if we make mistakes, we are actually not human enough. Not that we are only human. We are not human enough. And so Jesus is our standard in the sense. He's a full, complete, real, 100% what it means to be a human being. So instead of saying that it's only human that we make mistakes, he said we should say we are not human enough. And so in that sense, if I may borrow his words, he's saying to us through Yahweh Mekadesh, God is the one who made us so that we can become more and more human more and more human because we are not human enough. Let me finish with a story. There was this man, he was very busy at work, he got some deadlines to meet, so he came home, but his three-year-old boy wanted the father to play with him, but he was so busy because he has to finish something. His deadline <coughs> is at nine o'clock, and so what he did was, he said, son, I have no time to play with you tonight. But the boy still keep on cajoling, keep on mucking around, still asking him to play with, with him. And so he thought of something. He saw a magazine in front of him, and the magazine has a page on the map of the world. So he tore out nicely, and then he cut it into various pieces, 20 pieces, and then pass it to the son. Son, why don't you put the map of the world together? Thinking that it will occupy him some time, you know, that allows him to do some work. But after five minutes, the son came to the father and said, Dad, I'm done. And he started to scratch. He said, how does my son know the map of the world? And put it all together in five minutes. Must be a genius. So he went over, he said, come and have a look. So he went over to have a look. He said, can we play now? And the father said, how did you do it? He said, it's very simple, Dad. Because on this side is the map of the world. On the other side, it was a map of a man. He said, when I put the man together, the whole world fell into place. When I put the man together, the world fell into place. My friend, Yahweh Mekadesh is the one who changed you. Don't worry and try to change others. You will never succeed in changing people. Cooperate with God, allow God to change you. Maybe when God changed you, then you have the ability to change your family. And maybe when that happened, that your family changed, then you can change other people, relatives. It always starts with yourself. Come to God. God is Yahweh Mekadesh, the God who sanctifies us, changes, builds virtues into our life. Cooperate with Him 
and allow Him to do the mighty work in you. God demands holiness, and we cannot be holy in and of ourselves. So how can we meet His demand? He is our Yahweh Mekadesh, the one who sanctifies us. It begins with our salvation. It continues daily as we live for Him, and it will see its fulfillment in glory in the future. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we need you. We spend so much effort changing ourselves externally, but we pay so little attention in our inner life. And therefore, oftentimes, we learn the hard ways. Nevertheless, even through the hard ways, you use it to mold and change us, to be more human. Only when we change, then we can change our partners, our families. Then as a families, we can change our relatives. He start with us. Help us don't need to go around, keep judging people and try to change others and criticize people. Help us to cooperate with you. You are Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your kindness that you've shown to us. When we fail, you are there. And it is a lifelong, ongoing process that you use to mature us to be more human. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Would you stand as we sing this beautiful song as our closing hymn?